uh, I wasn't able to count exactly. There was a wonderful crowd, maybe 60, 70 people. Uh, we had a few guests. That's Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuley Hecht of Kelowna, B.C., describing the ceremony and dinner his Chabad synagogue held last week to inaugurate the building's brand new mikvah, or ritual bath. This mikvah is the only one open between Vancouver and Calgary, which are both hundreds of kilometers away in either direction. Hecht and his wife, Frady, moved to Kelowna 12 years ago as emissaries of the Chabad Lubavitch movement to do outreach to the estimated 500 Jewish people in B.C.'s scenic Okanagan Valley. The Hecht built the synagogue first, but it took until now to raise awareness of what a mikvah is. Along the way, they had to explain it to the local municipal officials who created a special new category for zoning it. But it took nearly two years for the Hex to raise enough funds to complete the $350,000 project. Under Jewish law, married religious women immerse themselves in a mikvah each month after they finish their periods to purify themselves before they can resume sexual relations with their husbands. It's also done after childbirth. Men can voluntarily visit the mikvah too. There are also other uses for it, like koshering new cooking pots and when non-Jews convert to Judaism. Until now, the rabbi's wife, Frady, would use Lake Okanagan as her mikvah in the summer months, which is perfectly fine, but during the winter, it meant a five-hour drive to the closest mikvah in Vancouver. And one time, en route, the Hecht's car went off the road, flipped upside down, and landed in a snowbank. No one was seriously hurt, but it made getting the Kelowna mikvah built even more of a priority. This is a private story, to be honest, but for people to understand what Jewish people in small communities have to go through in order to observe the mitzvah and to be able to get the support that it needs, you know, you have to do whatever it takes. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, March the 1st, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. If you're keeping track of these things, Kelowna's is actually the first of three mikvahs that are set to open in Chabad buildings located in small Jewish communities in Western Canada. Regina's will start construction in the spring, and Saskatoon's is close to ready. All three were part of a million-and-a-half-dollar fundraising campaign by Chabad to build mikvahs in Canada and the U.S., and the project was called Bring Mikvah Home. Although there are already mikvahs in both Regina and Saskatoon, They're located inside those cities' historic, established, liberal, or conservative synagogues. And there's also a synagogue in Kelowna, too, another one, called Beth Shalom, but it doesn't have a mikvah. And while there had been some tension after Chabad's arrival, some of the Beth Shalom members, including their rabbi, attended the mikvah opening event. And leaders say they're supportive of the Chabad mikvah. Rabbi Shmuley Hecht says everyone is welcome, and he joins me now. Thank you for having me. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you so much. Baruch Hashem, thank God. Yes, a wonderful, wonderful celebration. Can you describe a bit about the whole like program and the schedule? What was it all about? Because we, of course, weren't there. Well, the program was to celebrate the grand opening of the mikvah and to bring more awareness uh, to the community about mikvah. We had a special speaker who came, a passionate speaker who, uh, who's about mikvah. This is their thing, and they were able to uh, convey beautifully some of the primary ideas of the of the uh, critical value that this mitzvah has in Judaism. 
I think you should say who they were because they're a friend of our show. We've interviewed them before. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, we had um, Rabbi Avraham and Rabbitson Goldie Plotkin from Chabad of Markham. And um, they both, Rabbitson Plotkin spoke. She has a wonderful story about her grandmother who broke the ice in Russia to go to mikvah. And um, it was very inspirational hearing about what Jewish women have gone through to be able to keep this mitzvah and to learn more about why it's so important to raise a family through the wholesomeness and purity and um, authentic Jewish way of living that the mitzvah of mikvah provides for our families and communities. So they spoke, you had like how many people came? What was the actual event? Uh, we had a few guests, Rabbi and Mrs. Weinberg, the directors of Chabad in British Columbia for almost 50 years. I think next year or two years, they'll be celebrating 50 years and they came in special for the event, as well as a few other rabbis um, and rabbitsons who came to be here with our community for this occasion. Um, and we honored the people who supported the project and support our work year round. And we went for a tour of the mikvah, and people had a chance to ask questions and learn more about this mitzvah. And um, for many locals, having a mikvah in the area is a source of great pride and joy, because it's been a top priority for the community for many years. You know that according to Jewish law, you have to build a mikvah in a Jewish community before you build a synagogue. I'm aware of that, and I know that in our reporting for the past couple of years, there were people who were converted to Judaism and they had to do their mikvah supervised in the lake in, in a beautiful summer, Okanagan Lake. So I wondered, can you talk about what your, your communities had to do without this? Well, the main important aspect of mikvah, as far as most of us are concerned, is for marriage. Um, particularly in marriage and homemaking, to be able to bring the blessings upon the families that experience the mikvah observance as ordained in our Holy Torah. Women in our community have gone together with my wife, uh, whether by flight or by car, to Vancouver to be able to observe this mitzvah. Some, um, because circumstances didn't allow, had to use the lake, and even in the winter at times. So it's uh, it's very important to be able to have a beautiful facility where women are not only comfortable to go, but feel a great pleasure in going to this mikvah to be able to observe the mitzvah because it's so beautiful and such a pleasure to uh, to experience it in uh, such a beautiful facility. Your family had a, a, a near miss on one of those trips through the mountains. I don't know if you remember the year. Can you describe what that was? I don't know how many people listening here live in small, remote communities, Jewish communities. But in these communities, there's, uh, of course, support is, is, more, is more difficult to obtain, financial support. And especially when you're a one-man show, one-family show, and uh, doing all the work, got to also raise the funds. It could be challenging at times. And thank God, God sends angels uh, along our way to help. So we weren't able 
to build the mikveh in the beginning because there simply wasn't enough support. People simply, actually, to be honest, many people didn't know about this mitzvah. People weren't aware because it's such a private mitzvah in the sense that it's observed when after the menstruational period that the women go through before they're able to be together intimately with their husbands and the husband as well cannot be together intimately with his wife until the mikvah is used. And so it's something that the night of the mikvah, husband and wife come together again. And it's actually a beautiful kind of experience because, you know, abstaining and then coming back together again makes room for a really new kind of um, feeling of love and closeness. They say, you know, distance makes the heart fonder. Right. Now, Um, back to the question, though. Yeah, that story we shared, some of us had to be vulnerable and share stories in order to let people understand what we deal with in order to do this mitzvah, you know, because it has to be on a certain night, a certain time. And one, one, once it came out that the mikvah night was the night of the first night of Hanukkah. And we had a huge community event that night uh, with a few hundred people downtown. We couldn't miss it. So we decided to stay, do the event. And then we had someone come babysit in our house while my wife and I and the, and the baby drove to Vancouver. And that night there was a lot of snow on the Coquihalla that people call Hell's Highway. And um, we got in, in a terrible accident, uh, not with another vehicle, just ourselves. Uh, we hit a, a patch of snow right behind the truck as the truck was flying by and squirted snow into our vehicle. And um, we, 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 we flipped over and we had miraculously landed on a snow patch and um, celebrated this great Thanksgiving to Hashem that we were able to walk out without a scratch and uh, finally made it safely to Vancouver, maybe at uh, four or five in the morning. And um, myself and others shared similar stories, um, felt it appropriate to let people know what's going on so that they can be aware and share support. And by the way, if I may plug, there's still bills to pay for our mikvah. So if anybody listening wants to support it, feel free to reach out. It's costly. I think most mikvahs today, when you're making a properly beautiful mikvah that women will be happy to use and want to use, um, and men, is in the range of three to four hundred thousand dollars for a, a beautiful mikvah. That used to be, to be honest, that used to be people just made a hole in the wall, a hole in the ground, I should say, and um, and you know, and good, and it's a mikvah, but. Uh, Women in North America weren't weren't up to, and men weren't up to to using it. It was dirty. It wasn't properly maintained, and it wasn't appealing. And actually, many women stopped using the mikvah because it just was wasn't wasn't um, it wasn't comfortable to go there. And the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory, was the one who campaigned that the Jewish communities need to make absolutely beautiful state of the ark mikvah because it has to be encouraging and motivating and comfortable for 
for people to use it so that they can observe this mikvah. In today's day and age, mitzvahs can be observed with joy and with pleasure. How did you find local craftspeople to do this work? Or did you bring in experts who knew how to do this? Well, we had a, the journey was wonderful and, and uh, full of surprises. We just literally found miraculously one tradesperson after the next um, who really took the project seriously and were doing it because they really wanted to help. Many of them helped us financially as well, doing parts of the project pro bono. And they were so excited to be working on a project that's the first of its kind in the whole Okanagan region. And actually some of the people on the team, the mechanical team, were working with the city to develop a new term of mikvah for for zoning purposes because they never heard of it before. It was a very fun project. Everyone was very supportive. The city was very supportive. The, the, the people were working were very supportive. And another interesting point is that, um, to be honest, after all the dust settled and prices from the, the the beginning, the major part of COVID, we got a quote. Prices started rising like crazy and we got the our first quote from the contractor and we're finally ready to build after raising money for 14 months. And the quote came in at $500,000. And when we saw that, it was just like, oh, well, now we're going to go out and have to raise another $200,000. And we just weren't up to it. It's a lot of work. And we have other programs that were on, are ongoing. I thank God a big family and doing this on our own. So um, my wife is really the one who gets the credit. She took on being a mother of seven, thank God, and a, a full-time job of being, running a preschool at home and um, caring for children that are on online school, homeschooled. She took on the job as being the by herself the contractor for the mikvah, so that we could eliminate the cost of approximately one hundred fifty thousand dollars that would have gone to the contractor. And she did that herself. She spent hundreds of hours, hundreds upon hundreds of hours, organizing and doing doing the regular job that a certified contractor would have done. And it's really a huge thanks to my dear wife, Rebetzin Frady Hecht. I wish we could speak to her about it. Have you used it yet, either of you? Um, so that's a generally a private question for people. I, I'm, it's okay that you asked it. Okay. Is it usable yet? Yes, the mikvah, the mikvah was used even before the grand opening. And I'll tell you a beautiful story. There was a woman, my wife has been learning all, all along on the side while doing all of this work, learning with families, with couples, with, women about this mitzvah. Many of them, you know, it's their their first time learning about it. And there was one woman and her husband who they were so inspired learning about what this mitzvah does and the tranquility it brings into marriage. And after she learned so much about it, she was the first one to use the mikvah, actually. It was so inspiring for her that when she, when after she used the mikvah, she messaged my wife, I decided I'm going with my husband to Israel for 10 days. I just have to go to Israel to extend, expand the, the, the experience of purity, the experience of purity of holiness that we, that we brought into our family and how bad they felt having missed it for so many years, 
absolutely beautiful story. Okay. And then what happens to, uh, now you, you're Slichut, you've been there, what, almost 12 years already by now, right? 12 years, yeah. So now that you've done this, does that mean you get to be promoted and move to another city? I mean, I don't know how that works in terms of Slichut uh, milestones, but that's a pretty big one, right? That's a, <laughs> I like that question. <laughs> you know, we invest so much in the community. This is our home and our love for the community, our love for the people here is uh, to build and grow with them. So this is something that's part of our life. It's a lifelong dedication and we grow together with our community. We don't leave them behind. One small note, you heard how Rabbi Shmuley credits his wife, Frady, for overseeing the technical details of the construction. And I did ask to have her on the show for an interview, but she declined. You can find more about the Mikvah Project and Jewish life in Kelowna by going to the links which I've put for you in our show notes. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia, integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Wilf Mandel. He wrote in about the episode that we did Monday with Charles Bronfman about what's going on in Israel right now. Mandel took exception to Bronfman's comments about the reforms to Israel's Supreme Court. And just a quick note about an upcoming show. Next week will be the 103rd birthday of Rabbi Erwin Shield. He's one of Canada's longest-serving rabbis. He retired after over 40 years serving Toronto's Adath Israel congregation. I had the pleasure of interviewing him in his home yesterday in Toronto, and we'll bring you his interview on his birthday, March the 9th.